0: All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Legend of Portalcast, a podcast dedicated to Avatar The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, and all things Avatar. I am Colin, your main host, and joining me tonight is Kristen. Hello.
1: Hey, guys. This
0: is kind of cool because we're doing back to discussion after... A uh, fresh D&D session uh, for <laughs> this
1: past weekend. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so much fun. <laughs>
0: um, the banter. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we're very excited to, to release episode two as well. Um, but uh, for today, we are doing just a short little kind of news update and discussion. Uh, because it, here, here's the thing, folks. We are in March now of 2020. Um we have not received any news really about the Netflix avatar show. We kind of wanted to talk about that tonight. Uh, also wanted to talk about the 15th anniversary, uh, panel, uh, that happened at Nick studios that featured Dante Bosco, uh, Angela song Muller and, uh, Giancarlo Volpe. Um, Giancarlo uh, Volpe, was one. Of, he was directed many episodes of the show, uh, and Angela Song Muller was a uh, primary character designer. Mike and Brian were there, but the panel was pretty much with those three. Um, so we're going to be kind of talking about that, talking about uh, where things are at for... The live action show, and just, uh, I don't know, thoughts and feelings and kind of the pulse in the fandom right now. Um, so basically, what we know is, as I said, hardly anything, um, which is just a little bit discouraging. Um, obviously, it, the last real update that we got, I believe, was back in December, we found out that one of the executive producers uh, was officially signed on, but that was pretty much it. Um, we obviously heard from Marilyn at our sister podcast at Beyond Bending that there was going to be a universal casting call, but the huge contributing factor, I think, to all of this, and it's not being discussed by Netflix or any of the people there, but I think is a lot of the core of this, is the coronavirus. Um, It has obviously shifted a lot of what is happening, especially in the entertainment industry. And if you want to do a casting call of universal proportions, looking for authentic, diverse casting, and you have a massive part of the Chinese population in quarantine, it kind of makes it very difficult to put that out. Um, That is my read of the situation. Um, I don't know. What are are some of your thoughts, Kristen, when you're kind of looking at all this?
1: I definitely think that this outbreak is affecting a lot of things. I mean, if it's potentially going to cancel the Olympics, I could certainly see the slowing down uh, production of a series that has primarily Asian cast members. Um, obviously we could pull from a lot of American population, but at the same time, there are plenty of great Chinese actors who speak English really well, who've studied and known martial arts for either their career or for uh, most of their lives. Obviously it's a great pool of talent to take from, and it, it does definitely make it extremely difficult. Um, and especially since most filming, Takes place is most likely going to take place in other countries that makes it even more difficult because oh, I believe I saw something somewhere where Jesse Flowers, the voice of Toph, had mentioned that book one would have some filming in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. If Canada has a very serious outbreak of coronavirus, you know, how is that going to impact the filming? Mm. You know, it's obviously going to create a lot of obstacles for this, which really sucks because it seems like they've already had to push back a little bit as production has not really come to head yet, as they're still trying to pull together their core team, their actors, their script and everything. It's uh, it's definitely going to be slow to start, and I don't think Corona is going to help any.
0: Yeah. Um, and I mean, the a lot of it, too, is just like it's a lot of travel bans that are happening, um, a lot. That's just being just extra precautions. It's things that need to happen to kind of keep everything really under control. But it's, you know, I I think that that's, that's the big thing is that even though it's fortunate that there is not as high of a, like mortality rate with the coronavirus, uh, what it is doing in terms of like, how it affects communities how it affects economy i mean south by southwest was just canceled like a couple days ago because of this and i you think about all of the people who were going to work there as like event production team members uh, the artists the like you know not only like the musical artists but also a lot of the kind of like Uh, like street artists and performers, everybody who goes to that, suddenly that is all gone. And that is a massive vacuum um, that a lot of these people who are also in like gig economy, job economy like that are not like they're, they're in really dire straits. And the reason I bring that up is that When it comes to film production, a lot of times you are looking for either local talent and local workers to be able to help with your production. And if suddenly you can't pull from a pool of people because certain people are quarantined or if you can't bring certain people from a specific location because of like limitations like that, it just has this rippling effect. And that's the unfortunate reality about all of this, but it's one of those things where we are speculating, obviously, but we aren't getting really any information. Um, And that's where a lot of my own frustration lies, I think more so as a fan. I kind of understand that there's a lot of factors going into it, but it's like, come on, guys. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think that's probably generally how a lot of people feel. For the most part, I've kind of pushed it into the back of my head because, thankfully, there have been a lot of things for me personally to enjoy that have been coming out lately. Um, even though it's been out for a couple of years, we actually just started f- playing the most recent God of War incarnation. Nice. And I've, I got Disney Plus, so I've got all these things distracting me, but I'm pretty sure at some point, like, once I've caught up with everything that I'm doing, I'm going to be like, all right, guys... Where's Avatar?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, well, excitingly enough, I um, when I I went to uh, PAX East uh, last weekend, and uh, it, I mean I'm glad that they did not cancel that because uh, I would have been super sad about that. But while I was there, I found a an original copy of the original Avatar: The Last Airbender GameCube Ooh. game. Um, so. I am planning. I'm planning to do a uh, a live stream kind of let's play of this because I have my old GameCube still, and I just like I never played this one, so I'm very excited to kind of see uh, how well or poorly it's aged.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember I played. I think it was a PlayStation version of Avatar. I can't even remember what it was called. It wasn't incredibly impressive. It wasn't too bad though. Like I enjoyed it mostly because, you know, you did get to play like these characters bending and stuff like that. But, um, there was a version that came out on the PlayStation a while back and I remember playing it on my PlayStation too. And I thought it was fun, but it was just like a rental from like blockbuster before they went out of business. Um, (laughs) and so I only had it for like a week. I don't think I even got to finish the game. Um, it, I honestly enjoyed the Nickelodeon games that they had on their website in between the third and fourth season a little bit more than I did that PlayStation game though. (laughs) Mm.
0: Yes. Yeah. No, there was like Avatar arena. I think, do you, do you remember uh, playing that one on the Nickelodeon website?
1: Oh my God. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it was like this flash game that was just so good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I really and What was, and there was the one where you were angry. It, it was their way of explaining how Aang manages to like salvage the avatar spirit and you're going through the game and you're speaking with his past lives. And they did that as almost more of a story than a game. Like I'm one of those players, like I'm heavily invested in the story which is why the newest God of War is so great for us and other games like that. Like we love stories in our video games. And I remember playing that and Ning is going around and he's talking to like the last four avatars before him. And we learned their names. Cause up until that point we just knew like Kyoshi and Roku. Um, but it expanded the universe a little bit for us. And I think that's what excited me about it is I am such a lore nerd And it was perfect. Yes.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, When I did, I think it was like the, it was either the search uh, part two or part three with Fran and she had no idea that that existed and she was like freaking out when I showed it to her because it was just like, well, the thing was, is like, it was such a like content piece of that time. And, you know, again, it's just like, it was shared on the forums, but like, wasn't The forums don't communicate content anymore. It's all, you know, via social media now. Um, Back in our day, you see, when you had to log on to the forums. uh.
1: (laughs) I know. And I wonder if you can even play those games anymore as, like, legacy games. Because I do remember as as a total dork back in high school, I used to love playing... Uh oh, what was that show? The Wild Thornberries had oh, the animal rescue game on Nickelodeon. Yes. I played it obsessively. And then after the show went off the air, I think I went back a few years later and they still had it on. I don't know if they actually kept the Avatar games or not. I feel like they didn't, but I wish they would, because they were amazing.
0: Well, when they I think like when Flash got kind of phased out that a lot of those games are no longer like compatible. There's people who have done like kind of uh like I don't know, like backdoor boot camps of, uh, some of those games, uh, just like a lot of the old school, like uh, unlike new grounds, um, and like a lot of those websites where you can play the flash games. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, again, we are fortunate. We have the content that we did or that we do, but right now it is this interesting period because the, one piece of certain content that we have right now in the future for Avatar is The Shadow of Kiyoshi. Um, So that's the second book uh, following uh, Rise of Kiyoshi by FCE. We have that coming in July, but as far as we know, there have been no other comics announced for either Korra or Avatar. Um, But one of the things I want to talk about was that uh, there was an interview that they did Um, with the writer and artist for uh, the latest Korra comics, Ruins of an Empire. And they were saying that they had some stuff planned. They couldn't really share, but they're looking to explore different mediums um, and not just like the realm of comics as well. So that kind of makes me wonder like, okay, what is this? What are they going to do? And I, I feel like there is going to be this surge of content that building up to the show being released, because I think that they know that there is such an online strong online community that as long as you kind of build that up and you reinforce it, that you're going to have such a massive dedicated viewership for when the show actually drops. So I don't know any, any kind of final thoughts on uh, just kind of where we're at right now with uh with the live series, any predictions as to when do you think we'll we'll be seeing this? Any news or anything? Well,
1: assuming, um, I mean, obviously they, things have been pushed back a little bit. They were expecting to be in production um, sooner, and it has not happened yet. But at the same time, they did promise us good quality content. And if I have to wait till 2021 or, God forbid, 2022 to get amazing Avatar content again. I I will wait. I, I mean, they gave us the original series. They gave us Korra. They've given us a lot of content in between that has been absolutely phenomenal and fulfilling. And, you know, I have faith that they're going to do the best that they can to pull together a truly amazing story for us um, with these characters that's both original and nostalgic. So... I think I'm certainly hoping that at the very least we might get a trailer this year if not, you know, maybe the start of the series at the end of the year, but you know, I won't hold my breath for the beginning of the series. I am hoping that maybe by summer or fall we'll hopefully get a trailer maybe. Uh it all depends though on how soon they can get the cast together and like you said with the coronavirus wreaking havoc. I mean, how easy is it going to be for us to cuz it's not even just travel bans. Uh, some airlines have canceled flights, not because of bans, but because people simply aren't traveling to and from Asia right now because of the dangers of spreading this disease. Uh, and that's going to put a really huge damper on any attempts they're going to have to tap into that community overseas. So we'll see. I mean, it may end up that we have a really strong American cast or Canadian cast for the most part, uh, versus having a much more, um, global cast potentially. But as long as they keep their promise to be ethnically diverse and they give us a really good story, I'll, uh, I'll wait, I'll hold my breath <laughs> yeah <laughs> and hope for and hope for something good here in 2020 that's gonna assure me of a really amazing series mm. in the next year or mm. so.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel the same way i I have a feeling that uh just based on the way that Mike and Brian are as creators and the the stakes of creating this after, the movie that shall not be named the, they understand that so much is on the line. And on top of that, they have always been such uh they they've always have such a high bar for what they put out into the world. And I have a feeling that if they do not think that they can reach that bar without, you know, the resources that are going to be available, I think they're going to wait. And I think that they're going to wait until they have what they need, because that was the whole deal that they made with Netflix was that they were giving them that full control to say, all right, it's on our terms. And I think that this will be a big, big test of that. Obviously I would love to see a trailer this year. I am getting more and more skeptical that we will see a trailer. Um, I would love to because I'm planning to go out to San Diego Comic Con and I would love to see it there, but regardless, we'll we'll kind of see what happens. Um so, uh moving on, I want to just kind of briefly touch on the Avatar the Last Airbender 15th anniversary panel uh that just happened. Uh this took place uh just I believe on like March 4th, so a little less than a week ago. Um so in celebration of the 15th anniversary of the show, uh, again, they brought together uh, Giancarlo Volpe, Angela Song Muller, and Dante Bosco uh, to discuss a variety of different topics uh, ranging from, you know, what kind of benders they would be, where they would retire uh, in the Avatar world. And then also about um, Asian-American uh, representation in film and Asian representation in film. Uh, we will definitely link to that, uh, through our Facebook. Uh, we'll, uh, just make sure we have something as well in our link tree and in Instagram for people to check that out. But it is like a 27 minute long panel. It is awesome. We get to hear some really, really, uh, great insights about the show and the way that, you know, they saw it evolve. Um, but you know, what, what I found interesting, especially about this is the, awareness that all three of these people who are on the panel had of this fan community. Each and every one of them has a specific story about a personal interaction that they have had with our community as fans. And it is all so positive. And I think it is all such a testament to the longevity of this community and why we're here 15 years later Uh, doing a podcast about a show that hasn't aired in years.
1: (laughs) Definitely a lot of love from us. I mean, I think it's kind of funny because I definitely have friends that are Avatar, the last airbender fans. They were a long time ago when they watched Korra, but they, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, I haven't watched that in forever. You know, I'm surprised you guys have content to talk about. I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you realize how much Avatar content exists in the world today? And how much more is being promised? And I discuss things, things with them, and they're like, "Oh my God, really? I didn't know." And like, I've had friends after talking to them go out and buy like for the comic books because they're like, "I didn't even know this was a thing," and they're freaking out because they didn't know that there was more.
0: So yeah, we were just kind of talking about how like the uh, I don't know, just the the fact that they have that these panelists were just so. I uh, had such personal stories about their experiences with fans and the fact that we have been able to have this longevity um, in the fandom, I think, because of just the passion from everyone and how well received and everything the uh, the people who are involved in the show are with it as well because I think that there's also a lot of shows that sometimes the actors kind of distance themselves from a project or it's just like something like it's like, okay, well that was like what it was before and they're not as involved. Like Dante Bosco is the greatest advocate for Avatar. He is always so pumped to talk about it. It is so great.
1: He is though. He's like a cheerleader. Like I was reading a quote from him where he was just like, you know, I'm not currently on the project, but I always want to get involved. I love these guys, love the Avatar family, and I'm really hoping that I'll get a chance to be involved in this new project. And I'm like, oh my God, you still love this show years later.
0: <laughs> yeah. And what's really cool is that, uh, so he uh, did a book, uh, wrote a book uh, from Rufio to Zuko, and it's, uh, he talks a little bit about it in the panel, but it's very much his experience in Hollywood as an Asian American and that perspective. And, you know, one of the things that he talks about is how, you know, especially looking back, he's able to the, not only like what he was able to kind of see in terms of how Hollywood and everything has evolved, but just how much it has inspired people and the kind of, the inclusivity that it has really been able to foster um which is just amazing um and he was on the book tour for it and actually our uh so our friends uh Chandler and Tony at the AeroPod and Marilyn at Beyond Bending they went out to his book signing event and they got to meet him and not only did they get to yeah it was so cool and not only did they get to meet him he he did like a shout out on his Instagram story, like tagging them and like, just like was there with oh them. Oh
1: my God. Yeah. And it's like, that is, he is such a great human yeah. being. And it's just,
0: that is that it's just someone who really genuinely cares about the fans because I think he also understands what the fans have done to sustain this show. And the impact that it has made Um, because one of the questions in this panel was, did you anticipate this show being as big of a hit as it, excuse me, as it was? And Dante Bosco was like, not really. I didn't know at first. And he tells this great story about how he was like on a set in Toronto. And like this one guy was asking him like, Oh, so like what's this cartoon you're working on? He's like, Oh, it's like, avatar the last airbender and it's like what did you just say (laughs) like clearly this dude was like geeking out about it but like (laughs) in uh he just was saying that it just wasn't until like these later moments where they just started seeing this massive response and passion and they even talk about how like when they first started seeing things on deviant art really showing up that was when they knew it was really getting legit (laughs)
1: And the battle between the shippers of like who was gonna end up with who in the end, like, and that's the thing too is I think the pro- I think the big problem that obviously again Nickelodeon really didn't understand the viewership was everybody was like oh it's a little kids show, so when you focus only on children watching the show it may not have seemed really huge until you realize. It's the it's the little kids, it's the teenager, it's the parents, like all of us across all these generations were watching and enthralled by this show. So when you look at you know household viewership, I think like at its peak it was like at like five or six million uh, viewership for the episodes, especially during the last season. But you have to imagine that it wasn't just the children watching that at that point. I know plenty of people. Who watch the show with their children? I have friends who are older than me who, it was their like six and seven year olds watching the show, and they watched it alongside with them, and they loved the show too. And so you know, while you know a lot of statistics are just going to count those kids in the viewership, uh, I think that the viewership was way higher than anybody anticipated because nobody thought, oh hey, because I mean it came out when I was a teenager. I watched the show as a teenager slash you know, when I was first going to college as a young 20-something, I adored that show and I adored Cora too. And again, like I was not necessarily targeted viewership, but I was part of the viewership. And so I'm not surprised that Dante was shocked to talk to an adult person about this, what's essentially a kid's show and to have this person respond and it to shock him 'Cause nobody saw it coming during that time. Everybody thought it was just kids. Yeah. No,
0: and and that's that's truly the beautiful thing about it. And getting back to, you know, what I was saying before about Mike and Brian's attention to detail and the high bar that they hold themselves to, it is what has resulted in this longevity and the like absolute diverse viewership. Because when a content creator does something that is rooted in so much just passion and research and time and dedication, it's something that even though it might not be appreciated as much or seemingly as much in the moment, it's something that as people return to it again and again, it is going to outlives so much other stuff that kind of uh, burns really bright, but just dies out quickly. Um, And, you know, one of the things that they uh, talk about in this panel as well is this idea of how, how just the show has been able to bring these people together to keep revisiting it. And I always see articles from different like, you know, whether it's like comic book resources or vice. And one of the like always it's just like Avatar was one of the greatest shows ever made. And you look at the comments and it is nothing but everyone being like, yes. (laughs) And I, I just it was really cool to see these panelists like reflect on that and be able to share their insights where they were during the process after it. And now years later, because I don't know, it, it, it really resonated with what I have loved about doing this podcast with you guys, because it's like, they have grown so much since the show came out. And it's really cool to see them reflect on it because it, there is so much to talk about with it.
1: <laughs> it really is. And I, it's one of those things where the show just constantly gets like underestimated by everybody, even the fans, you know, it's, it's just like how, you know, literally you're just talking about Dante being like, Oh, I went out to this place and I was shocked that this guy knew the project I was working on. And when I mentioned earlier, like my friends who didn't realize that there was more content out, like everybody constantly underestimates how much people love the show and how much people's, very avid love and passion for the show has pushed it to produce so much and to help set that high bar. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's the best and worst part of Avatar for the most part. Like it is the best part because we have such a great community. It's so broad. It's across the spectrum and it's, I think it's also really great too for Avatar to come out because, Especially with the coronavirus going on right now, we are seeing a really big surge in both intentional and unintentional uh, discriminatory sentiments towards Asian people, Mm. and Avatar is nothing if not a banner for Asian culture. Um, Yes. Obviously, in general, Asian culture has been really huge over the years with growing conventions, conventions. Uh, animes getting uh, dubbed and subbed and coming to the U.S., mangas being more available, etc. Like, it's it's obviously something that Americans love. We we consume this like crazy. But Avatar reaches out to even people who aren't into that niche. So if you do like the anime niche, Avatar is great. If you don't like the anime niche, Avatar is still great. And so it might be really good that this comes out after this pandemic is you know, settling down because it might be a really great way to kind of remind people of, you know, how beautiful the culture is and how important it is to be kind and be considerate of other people. And I don't know if the current virus outbreak is going to impact the righty or not, but considering how people have been treating the virus after the things I've read in the news, I'm kind of hoping that Mike and Brian kind of address it in, a, you know, in their own way throughout the series. Obviously, it is addressed to some degree because they're always talking about being kind and compassionate to others. But I think we really need it now and putting an Asian face on it, I think, is going to be pretty symbolic after this whole Corona thing blows over.
0: Mm, I That was... I cannot agree with you more. That is, I'm so glad that you brought that up. And that has been a really, really sad thing to see um, in terms of just the, like you were saying, the intentional and sometimes unintentional racism that comes from that. And again, I think that that's, it's obviously something that is going to be circling in their minds as well, as they're kind of preparing the schedule and thinking about the release and how they're building out their team. So, uh, that is, that is such a wonderful, positive thought. I, I really appreciate you bringing it, bringing that up, Kristen. Um, so I think that that pretty much concludes, uh, what we were going to kind of talk about, uh, talk about today. Um, again, you know, we don't have as much news, but. Again, we've got the Shadow of Kiyoshi coming. Uh we've got the Shadow of Kiyoshi coming later this year, so we have that to look forward to. Um, we have kind of this mysterious uh you know hints at uh, more content in diverse mediums uh for Avatar and Korra. So we'll kind of see and uh, wait to see what that means. Um and uh, you know, before we kind of close things out, I also want to do a shout out to um one of our frequent uh, co-hosts and guests, uh, Fran from A Healthy Dose of Fran. She just did a video, also kind of talking about uh, some of her thoughts and predictions about uh, the upcoming live-action series. It was very funny because I was thinking about doing this episode anyway, and then she released this video, and I'm like, "Hey, <laughs> this, uh, this is, this is. I feel like this is all a very uh, a congruous time for us to all be talking about this right now." <laughs> Yes. All right. Uh, well, thank you all so much again uh, for listening. Uh, Kristen, thank you so much for joining me uh, for this uh, discussion tonight.
1: I'm always happy when I can make these things. I always feel sad when I miss them.
0: <laughs> uh, so remember folks, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Legend of Portalcast. You can find us on Twitter at Portalcast Pod. And uh, you can also find us on our website, legendofportalcast.com. One last announcement. I almost forgot, but I'm glad I remembered. Uh, We are going to be doing a, uh, it's going to be an Avatar The Last Airbender slash Legend of Korra character bracket. Uh, So we're partnering up with The Arrow and Beyond Bending, our sister podcast, uh, to basically do a character head-to-head bracket uh, with all of the different characters. Um, We have created a – basically, it's like a website that you can go to and vote uh, in each of the rounds, uh, some of them are going to be very easy picks, I think. Some of them are going to be very difficult picks. Uh, so we're going to be we're very excited to uh, kind of introduce that. We'll have more information on our social media. We'll be posting on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter about that. But keep your eyes peeled, and uh, we will also probably be doing some follow up discussion once uh, the bracket kind of continues. But uh, again, hey, we don't have Avatar content right now, it means we're making our own. We've got that. We've also got our Avatar D and D podcast going and everything. So be sure to check those out. Episode one is still up if you haven't seen that last week, and uh, be on the lookout for uh, more of the content we got coming down the line. Thank you all so much, and uh, for now and until the next
1: time. <clears throat>